A lot of new things are happening this year for the Pastimes and Other Musings podcast. This is the earliest I've ever recorded an actual podcast. And we have a lot of stuff to talk about. We have the LA Coliseum uh, race happening. <coughs> oh, fuck. Tomorrow, we have a hot seat interview with Dave Moody. We have an off-season to recap. We've got some news to talk about. And what else do we have to talk about? Um, I don't know. Uh, we have a new intro and a new outro. So there's that for you. Um, outside of that, cue the intro. If my, if my thing stops recording... Everybody, welcome to the season three premiere of the Pastimes and Other Musings podcast. I am Alex Wood, better known as Destroyer H6. With me, as always, is Mary, aka Ultimate Twenty Three Dragon. Now, Hello. to all of you who may not know where I get that intro from, it's from the MTV show Ridiculousness. <laughs> only three shows on MTV that are worth watching: Cribs, Ridiculousness, and um, Catfish. There's only three shows I watch on MTV. <laughs> I used to watch Silent Library when that was on. But it's not on anymore. Uh, um, a few uh, things to get out of the way. Uh, on the April... To answer your question, yes, Mary, we are doing that. What you asked me just a second ago. Uh, because on, on the April 15th episode of Pastimes, I will not be here. As uh, I'm working on getting a fill-in. Um, we're hoping it's a prior guest. Uh, it's going to be one of two or three people. I have to ask around for that. Mary doesn't know who those two people are, uh, but they're, they're prior guests, both that you know. T two people you know. How about that? Okay. <laughs> uh, so our first thing is Hot Laps. The reason I, I initially wanted to record this after the Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona, but we don't cover sports car racing on this channel <laughs> or on this podcast. So, um, so yeah. Um Anyways, uh, my diecast is a diecast that's 
Uh, because so the first the, throughout speed weeks, even though this isn't Daytona speed weeks anymore, I am going to be showing three die casts I got for Christmas. This week will be a die cast from 2001. Next week will be a die cast from 2003. And then the die cast after that will be a die cast from 2002. Uh, both, both this car and the car that I show on the Daytona 500 premiere will be our cars that have raced in the respective race. So the car that I'm showing today raced in what was, what was the Bud Shootout. And the car that I show in a couple weeks will be the car that will be a car that raced in the Daytona 500. We also have this back today. I'm oh. show I'm go after our hot seat with Dave Moody, I'm going to show every autograph that I received over the offseason. Uh, so this first diecast raced in the Clash, what, what was then uh, the Bud Shootout. And unfortunately, this, ca this car has, uh, unbeknownst at the time, or unknown at the time, this would unfortunately uh, be remembered as a car that... How do I want to put this? This is a car that uh, many fans uh, probably don't remember. Uh, probably remember as they remember where they were the next week. Um, and Mary has to guess the car. You said 2001. 2001. Budget out. Special paint scheme. And there was only one special paint scheme in that race. This sounds like it's Earnhardt related. It is. Dale Earnhardt's 2001. Oh, wow. Uh, GM Goodwrench Service Plus Oreo Chevy. Oreo? Yes. <laughs> okay, that's neat. I had totally forgotten about that. Actually, there's a story about this car related to my life. His oh. the show car of this car came to my area. They actually kept the show car. Oh, so okay. I thought he drove it more than he actually did, but and this and to those of you who say Kevin Harvick also drove an Oreo car, no, he didn't. That was just a show car. They made a diecast for it, and I believe they were going to run it, uh, but they ended up not running it. I don't know why, and I don't know if they ran the America Online car, because I do know for a fact he was going to be the original driver of the 30 car, but yeah. when, the, when Earnhardt was killed, uh, Harvick took over, and Atlanta, the race he won, was going to be his first race uh, in the AOL 30 car, and they later gave it to Jeff Green. So, there's your history lesson for the day. What's your diecast, Mary? Uh, it's a Johnny Benson diecast. I'm going to guess that. Well, you're wrong this time. <laughs> Maybe another time, but not this time. It's another of my big three, though. Andy Houston. Remember... Huh? Andy Houston. No, it's the third of the big three. Okay, Bill Elliott. That's right. I don't remember if I've showed this car off before, but this is a Golden Variant 164 1999-2000 uh, Bill Elliott McDonald's diecast. Yeah, his car did not change between those two years. The scheme didn't change at all. Yeah. Earlier uh, on my channel, uh, the day this is going out, because this is also this is also premiering on my channel, um, 
I uh, did another master class, a NASCAR 21 Ignition, where I created both the Thunderbat and the McDonald's car from 1995. So there's okay. that. Uh, some news regarding NASCAR that we need to talk about. Uh, let's okay. just get okay. the bad news, the good news slash bad news out of the way. Jason Jacoby. Uh, Jason Jacoby was arrested on J January 17th. Uh, he not only was arrested, but, uh, okay, now, now I see why. I gotta put this stuff back. But, uh, Jason Jacoby was arrested on January 17th uh, by the Gainesville, Georgia Police Department and was transferred the next day to the Athens, Georgia Police Department. Um, to those of you who have been... Uh, well, I don't need to answer that because he already answered it in a video on his channel. Um, just go watch that. Uh, blah, 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 blah. What else? Uh, he did have his arraignment on the 24th. My assumption is he pled not guilty and he had a bond hearing um, on the 26th. Uh, now, if you go on the athens Clark County Clerk of Court website, it says that bond was set at $10,000. That, no. That is from his previous arrest from last March. He is due back in court on March 1st to, to have another bond hearing. Um, but this is the big one. Jason Jacoby is facing five counts, uh, five or six counts of aggravated stalking. Those are felony charges. And not only that, I believe he's still under investigation for... Uh, battery, family violence, and child abuse um, against uh, his, his his son. It's really Mackenzie's son now. Um, I know more about that story from talking to Mackenzie that I can't disclose here. But anyways, uh, let's get Mary's thought on this. Well, uh, but first, uh, normally I'm drinking water, but I'm not drinking water. Uh, what do you think is in here, Mary? Before we start, let's see. Let's see. I see okay. Burger King, so it's probably like Powerade or something. Nope, it's pop. What do I drink? Oh, Dr. Pepper. Got it. The reason why I have Burger King, a Burger King cup today, instead of I still have my thermal flask, but the reason I have a Burger King cup is because I had class today. And my class, and today's my, we're recording this on a Thursday, and Thursday, Tuesday and Thursday, I am only at the, I'm only at my college for a couple hours, as opposed to six hours, as opposed to six and a half hours. Yeah, I get that. I used, I used to be in that college life, too. Even though most people wouldn't assume you were. <laughs> okay. That anyway. was kind of an insult, but you're not insulted, so. Yeah, my college life was kind of here and there thanks to family stuff, but I managed, I managed to get through it. Okay, so talk about Jason Jacoby. So, I like to know everyone says that, oh, the January 26th is going to be back in jail for good and stuff and stuff and stuff. And no, it's not quite there yet. That's not. Uh, can I interrupt you? Sure. Those people who are saying on January 6th he's going to be sentenced, he's going to be, you know, locked in jail for life. Number one, he's not facing 
a life in jail. I'm telling you that no. right now. Though, but those type of people are like 15 or 16 year old kids who know who have no clue how courts are. Yeah. Those are like stupid people like Mandura Three, the guy who harassed me last year. If he if he subscribes to any of my shit ever again, he's getting blocked, and I'll find out who he is and report him to the right people to get him to stop talking to me. Um, but these are just kids who have no idea how courts work. They're just, they're young and dumb. These, these are the same types of people who think they're friends with Darian Gilliam and Eric Estep simply because they like their content on YouTube. Okay. That maybe oh, silent to means you continue. <laughs> I want me to continue talking about that, Claude. All right. Well, well you weren't done yet, and I want you to finish your thought before I ask questions or give my thought if I have no questions. Okay. But anyway, back to what I was saying. That's going to be a common thing throughout the year. This thing's not quite entirely over yet. Once we get an official report regarding any sort of sentencing of any sort, that's when we'll know this is over. Now, whether it's jail or a sentence to a mental home slash hospital, which is possible, but in this case, we don't know yet. It's still not over yet. Just everyone be thankful that at least he's in, in, in an area where he can't post videos or tweets and stuff. Or harass people. Right. Now, I'm going to dig a little bit deeper into that because okay. it's not going to be over until we get to the bottom of everything. Now, a lot of people think he's just, he's arrested for posting on YouTube in general. Let's say he posts on social media. Well, it's got to be, I believe the way I interpreted it i mean you can interpret it differently and in one of the, and in the vi the last video i was on on your channel we talked about how different people interpret different things yep. case in point youtubian buddies excuse me i had so my dad and i got burger king mm -hmm. and he got onion rings and i got fries and some onion rings fell to the bottom of the bag it ain't no goddamn onion rings. Stop lying, Burger King. Um, but anyways, let's just, as Mary said, let's just be glad Jason is not in a space where he can continue to harass and slander people. But what Osnogonoski said about this, we shouldn't be mad at Jason. Jason is obviously very mentally ill. And Rick Houston, if you're watching, hi. Uh, Dave Moody, you're probably watching. Hi. Those people were, those are two of the people who told me that if the more attention Jason gets, the more he's going to continue. Well, even if we don't give him attention, talking about, he's still going to do this. Talking about it or ignoring it isn't going to make the situation any better. Jason is obviously very mentally ill. He is very sick. He cannot be, he is not competent enough to be posting on social media. Nothing he says can makes any sense. And if he and he even uh, to, to my knowledge, he tried to plead mental insanity. No, that was last year. 
Jason knows what he's doing. And I'm going to throw it back to the situation with the YouTubian buddies last year. The culprit in that situation knew damn well what he was doing. Jason Jacoby knows damn well what he's doing. Even in, even implied it on his own blog. So really that kind of cancels, uh, not really cancels, but um, they're just similar. They both knew what they were doing. They both were trying to cause trouble and it worked. Although the culprit in, I'm going to, if I say the culprit, you know which situation yeah. I'm talking about. If the culprit, he has somewhat of a case, but that's not that's not a reason to just say that's not that's not a reason that that that, that just sounds like that. Jesus fucking Christ! What? You okay? <laughs> Uh, the pop, uh, carbonation. Okay. Yeah. I turn into lactic acid or something in my stomach. Um, this whole thing isn't going to be over because J Jason and his mom got in a fight about lawyers. Jason's brother charged up an old phone of Jason's and tried to defamate Mackenzie's character, Mackenzie Gordon, Jason Jacoby's ex-girlfriend. He tried to defamate her character. This is all going to come out in court. Don't get your hopes up yet. Jason Jacoby is not going to jail for life. Jason Jacoby is going to jail for five years max. The max he would go to jail for is five years. He says it's three years. He thinks it's five years. But I think once that's for the aggravated stalking alone. So he on the aggravated stalking charges alone, he's facing five years max. If if we get to the bottom of his, uh, if we get to the bottom of his internet trolling, quote unquote, that's like everything he's done on the internet, then we can start talking upwards of five years. But for the aggravated stalking alone, that's four or five years max. But if J when Jason gets out, he will have a parole officer. If you notice Jason Jacoby is. Uh, going after you, if he goes after a friend of yours, if he posts a quick call to his parole officer, we'll just say, hey, he violated his parole. He needs to go back to jail. He'll be put in jail and he'll face a new array of charges. Uh, that's that uh, on that front. Okay. Speak your thoughts on that. So, quick question. If he's convicted of both of these things regarding the main charge and then the other charges, that's five years apiece, correct? No. Aggravated stalking is mm -hmm. five years. Yep. Battery, that battery is only a misdemeanor. So, the first time he got arrested, that was a misdemeanor. Mm -hmm. So, he can't, he's probably just going to, well, I don't know. So that's probably a no. That's okay. That's iffy. Um, you're gonna have to talk to Austin Oganowski on that one. Okay. Uh, but uh, I think because that was the bait, that was the basis. He's trying to debunk those claims. That mm -hmm. might 
they could possibly up that from a misdemeanor to a felony. Interesting. I've never heard of a case in which someone trying to debunk claims makes it go from a battery to a felony. Or a from misdemeanor a to a felony. Okay, so because Jason was arrested on a misdemeanor, mm-hmm. he was instructed. So aggravated stalking is basic just means you violated bond. So it's not exactly what we thought it was. Aggravated yeah, aggravated stalk. Well, you violated a bond or a restraining order. It's a misinterpretation of the actual definition, because my idea of aggravated stalking is like internet harassment, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's what it could be classified as that, because he did harass her on the internet. Yeah. So, aggravated stalking would be, let's say I got an order against the culprit last year. Let's say I got I got a restraining order against the culprit, and he continued to harass me. That is aggravated stalking. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought it was. But because McKenna... Now, it also comes with violating bond. Okay. So let's say Jason gets arrested, and the bond... And the and the court says, uh, don't post about... Uh, stay away from your ex-girlfriend. Don't post about her on YouTube. Don't post about her on... Don't post on social media. Don't post on YouTube. And he does. That is aggravated stalking. So that last video on his YouTube channel, that is, that's actually two strikes against his bond. Posting on YouTube and posting about Mackenzie. He can't do either one of those. And he he did both of those in one post. So that's that. Uh, Let's see. Uh, I don't care. Um, yeah, that's that. Uh, I thought they had uh, something else. But anyways, uh, move on with your thoughts. It's like, it's like the closer we get to the ending, the farther away the ending gets. It, it, it kind of has that vibe. I think you think about it. Well, I see where you're coming from. And I agree. Um, but the problem that I think we just need to find out how much Jason's family knew. That's the big That's going to be difficult for a couple reasons. First of all, his mom's not going to cooperate. And second of all... If his mom doesn't cooperate, she can get in trouble too. In what possible way? Do you know how people won't com- comply with the Janu- with the Congress January 6th committee to investigate the insurrection last year? Something like that. Because those people aren't cooperating with Congress, those people 
let's say let's let's use Steve Bannon as an example. Because he's not cooperating with the committee, they can and will charge him with contempt of Congress. If Jason's mom doesn't cooperate with the court, they will charge her with contempt of court. Okay. So, Andy. Hmm? so yeah, that's, that's kind of the explanation there. Okay. And the other problem is the fact that Jason's dad is deceased. So anything that he knows is lost to time. Jason's mom can possibly be told she has to reveal what Jason's dad, what she knew. Jason's dad knew. And Jason even admitted he hasn't cried one bit for his dad passing away. Jason admitted he hates his, he hates his dad. Because his mind gave him the interpretation that his dad abused him. When he's actually the abuser. Telly, literally not supporting someone's racing career is not abuse. If if that was really abuse, my mom and grandma would be in jail for the rest of their lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why you're laughing at that. Because it's illogical either way. They seriously didn't support it. No, I meant that not supporting a racing career means automatically means abuse. It's it's not logical. Jason thinks that it is abuse. If you tell him be realistic or get help, he he sees it as abuse. Or an insult. Just like the culprit, when you tell him what he doesn't want to hear, he takes that as bullying. Anytime someone calls Jason Jacoby out, he calls that person a bully. Yep. I'll show him bullying. Let's move on to the next topic. Yes. Uh, College Racing released their number 16 car rotation. Eric, uh, Eric Allmendinger. AJ Allmendinger, <laughs> Daniel Hemrick, and Noah Gregson will be driving that car this year. Uh, what's your ex what are your expectations for that race car? Depending on the track and potentially the setup with the new car, it could do pretty well. I believe that AJ has all the road course races. And uh, let's see. Gregson, I think, has the majority of the 1.5-mile tracks, or the intermediates. So, that combination, they could do pretty well. After all, they did win last year. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 that's true. Although, that took a lot of luck to do it. I will admit that. 
Yeah. But anyway, Kali could be an underdog of sorts, so don't necessarily count that team out just because that particular ride is shared by a few different drivers. And what about the whole thing with Floyd Mayweather's money team? The money team racing with Kaz Grala making the Daytona 500. I'll believe it when I see it. That's all I'm going to say. And then, let's see, uh, Eric Almirola is retiring. Yeah. Like, I get why, because family is important. And this could lead up to the, the a few days before the snowball effect with Ryan Priest becoming the test guy. I think he's going to be the one getting Almirola's ride as a result of that. Well, who do you think will get Harvick's ride when Harvick retires? Now that I'm afraid of. Because first, there's there's three different ways this can go, and none of them are going to be good. Either Harvick never leaves, which this is Harvick we're talking, so that's likely. Or Haley Deegan takes his ride, so... Or Riley Herbst gets his ride, so... So, lose-lose in every direction. What are your expectations for this year's rookie class? And we've got two members right. of the of, of the NASCAR dozen in the rookie class this year, in Todd Gilliland and Harrison Burton. That's actually a good question. Like, given the ride qualities for both, plus for all of them, really. Well, yeah, but still. Spindrick and. Justin oh, Haley. Oh, yeah, we forgot Spindrick. Spindrick! <laughs> like, Spindrick should be Spindrick. the one. All right. Spindrick should be the one to win Good. it based on the aspects of Penske versus the Wood Brothers versus uh, Front Row. But the new car may be a curveball, so I would keep that in mind but it should it should be spindrick but we'll see where this goes all throughout the year i, mean, I still Only call one... him spindrick i just don't like him so that's why i call him spindrick a lot of people do the only one i could see maybe coming close if things go catastrophically wrong for Cindric is probably gillen like harrison burton is in a b-tier penske clone which is what they want to call the Wood Brothers now. So I don't know if he's going to have that priority or equipment in comparison to Cindric. But we'll see. But at least he has Cup Series experience. Mm -hmm. Three of the four guys have Cup Series experience. Anthony Alfredo's year last year is what happens when you put a guy who's never run a full season in in <laughs> any of the lower series straight yeah. into the cup series. Yeah. <laughs> He's worse than Rich Bickle. That's interesting of you to say that. Why? Because you thought Rich Bickle had no talent. He doesn't. <laughs> this is why I don't like Rich Bickle. He's an arrogant fucker. He thinks that he's 
better than all of the young tier drivers. He doesn't give them any credit for their talent. Unless they're from Wisconsin. I don't even know if that's remotely accurate. It is accurate. Look at all the shit that he said. Okay. Um, anyways, what's next? Well, let's see. We're retiring the hothead. Yeah, I already lead it off the itinerary, so. Um, well, that's news for this week. So that's hot topics, yes. We're just going to call it uh, news. <laughs> okay. Um, let's just do the hot seat now. Sure. All right. Welcome to the first interview on the Pastimes and Other Musings podcast on our third season. And our and finally, we are able to do an interview on a season premiere. Wait, I think we had that last week anyways. But this week, we have a true legend in the broadcasting world. You've never seen him on TV but he has been the voice of NASCAR for the past few years alongside Jeff Striegel and Joe Moore. You guys know him from Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. And you might not know his name, but I know you know his nickname. He is the godfather, Mr. Dave Moody. How you doing, sir? Alex, I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing quite well. So I briefly touched on who you are and... I was wondering if you could give us a little bit more background about yourself. Well, I've, I've been involved in the sport in one way or another, um, you know, beginning as a fan at about the age of seven um, and, you know, started doing a little bit of writing in my late teens uh, for one of the racing trade papers up in New England where I'm from. And that kind of led into some track announcing and track announcing led into some radio work. I was very fortunate to, to have started out at a racetrack owned by Ken Squire, who, you know, anybody that's ever watched a race on television or listened to one on the radio probably has Ken Squire to thank. So he kind of took me under his wing and, and taught me what he thought I needed to know, opened a lot of doors for me over the years, for sure. That sounds like another guest we've had on the podcast and one of your and my colleagues, Jeff Striegel, who obviously got a start in the area where I'm from, a little bit right. further north. So how did you get your start with MRN? Well, it, it all came through Ken Squire. Um, I worked at, you know, a, as an announcer at his racetrack. Uh, you know, by the time I got an audition with MRN, I was probably working three or four nights a week from Memorial to, uh, to, to Labor Day on at different racetracks around New England, chasing uh, the old American Canadian Tour, formerly NASCAR North Tour around the region as well. We might be anywhere from Nova Scotia to Southern Connecticut on any given weekend. Uh, and got a lot of work, a lot of experience there. And MRN got in a position where they had added the truck series or were about to add the truck series, which was gonna create a lot of uh, duplicate weekends where they had to have boots on the ground in two different states at two different racetracks virtually at the same time to cover all the series. So they just needed more people. Um, 
And when I, you know, when I first started with them, they brought me down to Daytona and had me do a bit of an audition and, and apparently weren't totally mortified by what I did and, and hired me to work a few races. In the first few years, I probably worked three or four weekends a year just when, when they had one of those conflicts or when one of the 18 guys needed a, a weekend off or got sick. But uh, so it just kind of gradually expanded from there to, to now where it's pretty much full time deal. Hey, you bring up the people who were, you know, the A-team work. I'm going to use quotes there. But um, who are some of those people who were working there at that time for people who may be watching on YouTube or listening on Spotify, Apple, or wherever? Who are some of those people who worked for MRI at the time who people might be familiar with? Yeah, well, there, there's been a rotation over the years. But when I got started, it, it was always Barney Hall. I mean, Barney was a, was a given. He was our foundation in the booth. You know, Mike Joy worked in the booth for quite a while before going to TV. Same can be said for Alan Bestwick. Eli Gold was in the booth for, for a number of years. And then Joe Moore, you know, kind of graduated from the turns uh, where, you know, the lead turn position up into, uh, into the anchor booth. And I worked with them all over the years. And, you know, we've mentioned Jeff. Uh, Striegel a few times and we're going to talk about him quite a bit in this interview so Jeff if you're watching or listening if there's anything you want us to take out I'm more than happy to not a chance rest. not a chance we're gonna uh, we're gonna tell some stories on Striegel and he doesn't get to take them out okay well it's your interview so if there's anything uh, you want me to take out I'm glad to take it out but uh, anyways let's talk a little bit about Jeff so how did you first meet Jeff through MRN, um, you know, I'd been there. I'd been there for a few years when he came wandering in, um, and, and you know, his path was reasonably similar to mine. Uh, worked a lot of short track races up in Michigan, as you well know. Yeah, uh, was well known up there as an announcer and as a broadcaster. Did a little driving himself. Yep. And got an opportunity with MRN and and came down and and did an audition and was really good. And, and got hired to, to work with the network. And, and he and I just kind of hit it off from day one. And I think, you know, it had a lot to do with our similar backgrounds. It had a lot to do with the fact that, uh, you know, especially earlier on in our careers when we were young and still had that youthful energy that, you know, when the race was over on, on Friday night or Saturday afternoon, we weren't really headed back to the hotel to sit in front of the TV, you know, all evening long. We like to get out there and, and wander around in the campgrounds and, and you know, get through the infield and, and meet some people and have some fun. And, and I think we kind of bonded over that. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, Jeff has told me about, he's told me about, you know, things he's done over his lifetime and his career. And he's told me some stories, but uh, do you have any stories of Jeff, like from the early days that I I don't know if Jeff's divulged any of this information, but uh, feel free to tell a story from like the early days of Jeff. And you can tell a few stories of Jeff uh, as the years go on as well, if you'd like later in the interview, if, if you. So well, please. he's, you know, first and foremost, he's, he's just a tremendous broadcaster. And, yes, and for is. a number of years, I would be the lead turn guy in turns one and two, and I would generally hand off to him in turns three and four. And we kind of developed that, that synchronicity, if you will, that ability to, to almost finish each other's sentences on the air. And, and I knew where he was going and he knew where I was going. We both kind of understood without having to talk about it, how we planned on getting there. And to a certain extent, that kind of carried over off the racetrack too. We had some, we had very similar interests. We had very similar tastes. 
you know, we, uh, uh, we will tell a joke every now and again, you know, whether they're funny or not, particularly him. And, uh, you know, we're, we're just a lot alike in a lot of ways. And, you know, sometimes you just find somebody that you mesh with. And Jeff and I, I think, could just kind of mesh. Something I like about Jeff is how he's true to his roots. He still lives up here. Well, I he lives further north than me, and I live pretty – I live pretty north. Well, I'm almost to Indiana, but um, I got a story about Jeff that, I, that I'll tell. For, for, for the viewers who did not watch Mary, for Dave's uh, knowledge, that's my co-host, but the people who listen and watch are, already know who she is. Uh, if you didn't watch her video or the Past Times on Location video when we met Johnny Benson – I got Jeff to autograph my 2002 Rockingham ticket that I got Johnny Benson to autograph as well. So I passed him and I'm like, you know what? I need Jeff to sign this. So I says, hey, Jeff, would you mind signing this ticket? He's like, do you have something for me to sign with? I'm like, no, my marker fell out when I got out of the car. Well, it, was, it fell between the seats. So he takes me into the bar uh, and he goes behind, he goes through a door and uh, I'm standing on the other side of the bar, and he's looking around for a for a, he, for a marker. He's he tries a pen, and it doesn't work. You can even see where he tried to sign with a pen, and he signs it a big red sharpie. And he's like, "I hope that works." I'm like, "Yeah, it really sticks out. You signed a lot better than Johnny did." Yeah, Johnny's signature, your ticket doubled in value instantly, and then when Striegel signed it, it went right back to its original value. <laughs> you know, but that's okay. It cancel out. Well. Well, Johnny, Johnny signed it, then Jeff signed it, then I mailed it to James Ince, and James signed it. It's now missing it's one in value. Yeah, it's missing one signature, and that is Hank Parker Jr.'s signature. And for those of you who don't know, as a historian, I know this. It's probably pointless NASCAR knowledge. Johnny won his only Cup race that day. Hank made his only NASCAR Cup start that day, and they started in the same row. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you remember that, but that was a good race. Yeah, they they kind of run together after all these years, you know. Yeah. And, and it's odd, and I don't know if it's old age or whatever, but you know, there there are times when you're actually calling the race where you have to be so focused on what's going on at this exact moment in front of you to to paint that word picture. There have been times where I've driven from the racetrack to the airport to go home on Sunday night, and I'll be going through security and one of the security guys will recognize the MRN shirt and say, were you at the track today? Who won? And I really have to think about it. I there have been times where it took me a minute to remember who actually won, run, uh, won the race because you're just so focused in on what you're doing in the moment. Yeah. That's, that's hard for me to like remember certain things because I have ADHD, but you know, I'll be able to tell you, oh, who won the 2008 Daytona 500? Who finished second? Oh, it was Ryan Newman who won and Kurt Busch who finished second. How many times did Jeff Gordon win the Daytona 500? Three times. How many? You got a major leg up on me. You have a okay. huge leg up on me. I can't remember what I ate for breakfast half the time. It's It usually takes a lot of repetition for me. But uh, so I remember this old NASCAR show called The Ten, like the top ten wildest throwdowns in NASCAR history. Uh 10 biggest bonehead moves, 10 biggest closest calls. And you were on that show. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, that was a Fox deal, an FS1 deal, uh, when they first took over Speed Channel. They cranked out a number of those, like maybe a dozen different, uh, yeah, I think they were one-hour shows. And they would just bring a bunch of people in one at a time and just kind of plunk you down in, in front of a camera and a microphone and say, 
you know, what do you remember about this race? What do you remember about that race, about, you know, this fight, about that driver? And it was just kind of stream of consciousness. You'd give them whatever you had, whatever you remembered. And then, you know, a month and a half or two months later, it would appear on television. Somebody took it and chopped it all up and spliced it all together and used what they wanted to use. And the rest of it ended up on the cutting room floor. But we had a really good time. They, they had that was a really good franchise. They did a nice job with it. And they did a lot of them there for a while. I've seen a lot of good NASCAR documentaries. I've seen some pretty bad ones. The one that yeah. I I liked the one that they did this past year with about video games but they didn't touch on everything I would have liked them to touch on. But that's just my criticism. And I believe I talked about it last year, uh, last season, but um, I remember it was the Dale Earnhardt and Ricky Rudd fight. I don't remember which year I want to say it was the late eighties, early nineties. No, it was not yep. the early nineties. And I remember what you said about that. Do you remember what you said about it? Well, I don't remember precisely what I said, but I'll tell you the first thing that goes in my mind when I remember it today, I'm never messing with Ricky Rudd. They don't, don't call him to. the rooster for nothing. He is a, he's a tough guy, nicest guy in the world, but man, don't get on the bad side of him because that's a rough road. Ricky Rudd will fight for no reason, much less for a good reason. I remember, I'll tell you what you said. You said, that's a fight I don't want to be in the middle of. That's it, man. Get out of the way and let them go. Yeah. Because Ricky Rudd and Dale Earnhardt were two guys you did not want to mess with. And now, you know, you have a lot of knowledge about NASCAR. I'm going to compliment you on that. And what are some things that – who are what are some things or what are some drivers that you look back on, say, that that moment or that key – or that was that driver was key in the history of our sport? Well, I've had a lot of them, you know, my, my personal career. The first, uh, the first race I ever, the first Daytona 500 I ever worked in the turns for MRN was the day that Daryl Waltrip finally won the race. And he only, it turned out he only won one of them. And he, he stretched fuel mileage beyond what any human being had ever been able to stretch fuel mileage. And I, I made a remark on the air during one of the calls late in the race that if a seagull flew down the back straightaway, Daryl Waltrip was going to draft it because it, he, he had drafted everything moving trying to stretch that tank of gas. And he made it, uh, he made it all the way to the finish. They got, they got into turn three. And I'm thinking to myself, and I'm, I'm just a young kid at this point, right? I've worked maybe five or six MRN races and never a Daytona 500 before now. And I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be the biggest call of my career, calling Daryl Waltrip home to the checkered flag. And as they got halfway down the back straightaway, and it's almost time for me to push the button and do my last lap call, Dick Brooks, who was on pit road, decided he was going to jump in and tell everybody that nobody down here knows what's going to happen. Nobody here knows if he's going to make it or not. And, and he found about nine different ways to say nobody here knows what's going to happen. And by the time he turned loose of the microphone and, and stopped, it was about time for me to stop. So I made what in hindsight was probably the kind of selfish decision that a kid working his first Daytona 500 and doesn't know if it'll be his only Daytona 500 makes. I said to myself, okay, I'm not supposed to talk right now, but I'm gonna. And I pushed the button and I did a, a fairly brief, concise call of Daryl Waltrip still under power coming off turn four. And I think he's going to make it. And, and I, I got my shot in, in that Daytona 500. 
Yeah, that was a good race, especially there towards the end. Daryl Waltrip was one of who I think he was a very magnetic driver. I wasn't allowed, I wasn't alive for his driving career, but my favorite driver growing up was Jeff Gordon. A lot of people don't really know that, but if you've watched the podcast or anybody who's mm-hmm. listened, they know that very well that I'm a big Jeff Gordon fan and Dale Jr. And I remember when we did the Advance My Track Challenge at Berlin, you did the video, you did the audio for that. Right. Uh, I, I want to ask you a little bit about that. You mentioned the name Carson Hosevar. Mm-hmm. What do you think about his future? Oh, he's, he's hugely talented. Um, he's climbing the ladder the right way. A lot of young kids today, you know, they start racing at age five. And, and by the time they're 15, they have a four or five year plan to be a NASCAR Cup Series guy. Some of them make it. Most of them don't. A lot of the ones that don't fail because they try to go too fast. And the the rule of thumb that I follow is if you're not winning consistently at the level you're at, if you're not challenging for the championship consistently at the level you're at, you've got no business moving up to the next level because it's exponentially harder. And I've seen I've seen a lot of drivers over the years show up and have a little bit of success in truck but not a lot, you know, they win maybe one truck race and all of a sudden they want to skip the Xfinity ranks and go straight to cup. And some of them have tried it. Few, if any, have succeeded. There's a reason why there are all those rungs on the ladder. It allows you to take small manageable steps and be safe as you climb and not end up falling all the way back to the bottom. You try and skip rungs, you end up taking a tumble. And a lot of these young kids do that. So Carson Hosebar, I think, is doing it the right way. He won a lot of super late model races and some really big super late model races before he turned his sights to the cup series or to the truck series. He's done very well there. I think he'll continue to do very well there. I think he's going to win races this year. And then, you know, after that happens, you think about going to the next level. Yeah, I know there are some people on Twitter, like when I defend him, uh, when I defended him after the Snowball Derby this past year, when he got in that accident with Steve Gore, I'm sure you saw this, Rich Bickle lashed out against him. And Bickle, he's not the nicest guy. I'll be the first to admit that. I had an experience with him. I'm not going to divulge it here, but if people know, know they don't. Like, I feel like people need to say, okay, he's young. He's only 18. You know, he has time to develop. Like, let's see what's going on with Harrison Burton. I like Harrison Burton. I think he's talented, but I think it might be too early for him to go to the Cup Series. Same thing with Todd Gillen. He's surpassing Xfinity. How do you, what do you think about this year's rookie class in 2022? Well, there's a lot of talent there. There's no doubt about it. And the, the hard part about what you said, and you're right, that, that a lot, and I've just been talking about that. Some of these kids move before they're established at the level they, they were at before. The problem is, let's just use Harrison Burton for an example. When the Wood Brothers call and say, Ford Motor Company wants you in the legendary number 21 cup car next year, do you want the job? Nobody in their right mind is going to say no. When Roger Penske reaches out, you know, to, to, and says, do you want to drive the two car? Yeah, Brad Keselowski's leaving. Do, do, Mr. Sendrick, do you want to drive the two car? Nobody in their right mind says no. Whether they're ready or not, you take your shot. Yeah, I feel like, you know, Todd Gillen's a perfect example of this. You know, he is surpassing Xfinity. I like Todd Gillen. I want to see him succeed. However, I just don't see, you know, he has room to grow. I just don't know how 
how well that's gonna evolve but how did you doing the uh, voiceover for the Berlin Advance My Track video come about? Did Jeff did Jeff ask you or yeah, were you all? Yeah. Yeah, Jeff reached out and he said, you know, we've got this thing that we're doing and we've got a chance to, you know, to get a, a pretty nice little care package from NASCAR if we do this right. If we produce this thing, would you voice it for me? And yeah, absolutely. Happy to help. And and uh, I'm so I'm real happy that it worked out so well for Berlin, too, because they deserve it. Have you ever been to Berlin? Oh yeah, a number of times. Uh, you know, Jeff's dragged me up there a number of times. You know, when we're when we're down the street at MIS, it's a little bit of a drive, but uh, but I love going to short tracks. You know, this past weekend I was down at Dillon, South Carolina, at their New Year's Bash race. Uh, we, whenever I've got an off weekend, I won't say every time, but a lot of the time, I find a way to make my way to a short track. Yeah, I promised Matthew Dillner this last season. I'm going to make the same promise to you. The next time we talk, I will tell you everything about short track racing in my area just so you can get an idea of like who I think is going to be uh who I think is going to be good one day who I think oh this guy's got some potential here one guy who I think needs a chance is Evan Shotko I'm sure you've heard of him He's a good friend of mine Evan's on the right way uh to being a star however he just needs he just needs someone to take a chance on him and I think maybe he'll he'll do good in the truck series once he gets to that next level who are some people that you think, uh, whether it be at the short track level or the truck series, ARCA, who, you know, it doesn't matter which series, who do you think are some uh, some drivers, you know, my age, I'm 19, I didn't, I don't know if I told you that, but I'm 19, you know, my age, probably between the ages of 16 and 25, yeah. you know, it could be really any age range, who are some drivers you think uh, could definitely make, make a name for themselves, you know, this year or in the near future? If, if you're 25 and you're not running in a NASCAR National Series yet, you're probably not going to. There are exceptions to that rule, obviously. There are exceptions to every rule. Um, but the way things work right now, these kids start racing in carts when they're five years old. And by, their by the time they're 20, they've got a decade and a half under their belts. And they've had plenty of time if they've got the talent and the connections to advance up the ladder. So that's why you see kids like, like Carson Hosovar that that are doing you know that are doing so well and uh, that, there's a lot of others out there you look at the roster particularly in arca and the truck series and the average age it, i mean it's not like it used to be back in the old days in the truck series you had a bunch of guys that had had nice careers in cup and were racing trucks on their way out the door ron hornaday and jack sprague and teddy musgrave and benson you mentioned johnny benson was the same way mike skinner uh, you know the the average age of the truck series at that time was like deceased. I mean, these guys, yeah. we had some old guys running out there and it was great. The average age now is in the very low twenties uh, for every Johnny Sauter and Matt Crafton. There are about five Carson Hosevars out there and that's great. It's a proving ground. It's a developmental series. It's uh, it, it's the NASCAR equivalent of triple a baseball. Yeah. I think another driver who some people are, some, some people like this driver. Some people don't. It's Haley Deegan. I think she she's paving the way for a lot of young females to get into the sport. But something I don't like is about is uh, how a lot of people say, "Oh, Haley Deegan's going to be is the first woman," or Danica Patrick was the first woman. Let's look back before we had Patty Moise, we had Shauna Robinson, and we also had Sarah Christian, who was the first woman to start in the very first race in NASCAR. I noticed, you know, since 2020 and through last year. 
NASCAR has been more accepting. They've been, you know, I, I even wrote an article about how they're more accepting of women, how they're more accepting of African-Americans, cough, cough, Bubba Wallace winning Talladega, um, gay drivers. We had Devin Rouse make his NASCAR debut this past year, who's openly gay. I believe there was another gay driver before him named Stephen Rhodes, but he wasn't out at that time. What do you think of the direction NASCAR is going in regarding inclusion? Well, I, I think NASCAR needs to be like the rest of, uh, of the country and the rest of the world. The more inclusive you can be, the better you can be. I can't imagine why, why any business like NASCAR's that is based on having eyes and ears glued on your product, that's based on people buying tickets, why you would willfully want to exclude any percentage of the populace, much less a considerable percentage of the populace. Uh, our sport has been white and male for a long, long time. Uh, for too long, in my opinion. You look I at agree. drag racing, they, they, you know, they've had female world champions going all the way back to Shirley Muldowney and Bunny Burkett. They've had African-American drivers, uh, Hispanic drivers, winners, champions for decades now, to the point where if Antron Brown wins a national event, nobody even thinks to mention the fact that he's black because it doesn't matter because it's happened so many times before. You know, if one of the Pedragon brothers wins, their nationality, their race, I mean, is, is irrelevant because it's happened so many times. We're not at that point yet, and we've lagged behind for, for whatever the reason, to the point where when a woman wins a NASCAR Cup Series race, it's going to be a massive deal because it's the first time ever. When Bubba won, it was a massive deal because it's the first time in a half a century and only the second time in the history of the sport. We need to get past that and, and get to the point where it becomes ordinary. I think it's because of the fan base, and that's the whole thing. That was the whole gist of my article. It's called Get Over It, How to Keep NASCAR Alive. If the fan base doesn't accept how NASCAR is changing, how the world is changing, we're not going to have a sport anymore. What's your opinion on that? Well, people are afraid of change. It's, it's the monster under your bed, and it's scary because you can't see it. And it's human nature for people to kind of grasp onto what they know and what they've seen and what they've experienced. Change is scary. Um, and the older we get as, as individuals, the scarier it gets because we've been entrenched in what we know and what we recognize and what we're familiar with for a long time. So change is difficult. Usually it's worth whatever pain and angst and trial it takes to get there. But convincing people that new ways are better ways is not always the easiest thing to do. I agree with you. And I've tried, you know, I'm done trying to convince people, you know, that I'm right because everyone's got different opinions and I feel I'm disrespecting them and I am. And, you know, they're, you know, their beliefs are different than mine, and I'm okay with that. I'm not going to disclude someone because I don't agree with them. But let's actually move into your Sirius XM show. Can you tell me a little bit about that? We've done that now for, it, it was 18 years in November. Um, it was a little odd the way it started. Uh, Sirius Satellite Radio reached out to me uh, at that time, 2003, summer of 2003, and said, we need to do a NASCAR show. We want to do a NASCAR show. Uh, at the time, they didn't have a NASCAR channel per se. 
They just stuck us in the middle of the stick and ball channel. Uh, it would be it would be baseball, football, basketball, and hockey all day long until 3 p.m. in the East, and then we'd have three hours of NASCAR. And then we would hand off at 6 o'clock Eastern uh, to a right proper British chap who hosted World Soccer Daily. We didn't hand off a single listener from the NASCAR show to World Soccer Daily, but it got us on the air. Our first show it takes a long time to get anything done in bureaucracy. There's red tape and there's hoops that have to be jumped through. Our first show, we hit the air for the first time ever the day after Matt Kenseth won the championship at Homestead Miami Speedway. The day after the season ended, when, when all the drivers were on a ship or an airplane or a boat or a beach or somewhere, uh, it was a little rough for a while getting people to talk to. But we, we managed to make our way through it. Here we are 18 years later. Yeah, I enjoy listening to it when I can. I don't have Sirius XM radio, but uh, I know you have a fan segment. Uh, can you uh, tell the fans if they want to reach out and ask you a question, how to get a hold of the show? Yeah, we probably, I don't think probably, we absolutely talk to more NASCAR fans in a 20-hour in a work week than anybody else on the planet. Um, the, 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 we've got a toll-free number, 866-PIT-LANE. 866-748-5263. I probably answer a a million and 12 tweets from race fans during the course of a day. Uh, Pretty easy to find. And and I kind of pride myself on the fact that that, that even to a larger degree than the other shows on the channel, we just talk to race fans. I mean, we we do a lot of interviews with drivers and the movers and shakers in the sport, and that's all part of it. And we love doing that. But I, I like the fact that people feel like if you want to be heard as a NASCAR fan, three to seven Eastern time is your time to do it. And that's something that I think everyone should uh, take advantage of. If you want to, if you have someone who you want to talk to, call into Dave's show. Uh, you're also available on Twitter for people to reach out to you if they have a question, correct? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, if, uh, just if you have a question for Dave that you'd like him to answer, just mention him. What's your Twitter? At D Godfather Movie, M O O D Y. And he'll get back to you as soon as he can. So uh, let's actually uh, jump into another topic. Uh, I notice on Jeff's social medias, you guys spend a lot of time together, you, Jeff, St- and uh, Steve Post. What's the story uh, re- involving the three of you, uh, include you and Jeff, and including Steve? What's the story that you have uh, of the three of you that? You- that you look uh, that you look back on fondly. Well, we do spend a lot of time together. Um, you know, we, before COVID nineteen hit, uh, and we, you know, back when we we were allowed to have a hundred thousand fans in the stands, you had to be at the track at the crack of dawn if you didn't want to wait in traffic for four hours. So, so we would roll out early. Uh, you know, we we'd be having breakfast at five a.m. and headed for the track at five thirty or quarter of six. And, and in a lot of cases, spend 15, 16, 17-hour days at the racetrack, either getting ready to work or doing the work or getting out of there once you've done the work. If you're going to spend that kind of time with a group of people, you better get along. And, and we do. You know, myself and Mike Bagley and Jeff and Steve Post and Alex Hayden, we all get along wonderfully. It would be, it would be really difficult if we didn't. People listen to us, you know, during the commercial breaks on air sometimes and think we hate each other because we just bust each other's chops, something horrible. You couldn't talk to people you didn't like the way we talk to each other. We all get along great. 
and and it makes the job go a lot more easily. Yeah, and I was at Michigan earlier this year, and you know the way you guys and Rusty too. We we always I always yep. forget Rusty works for you guys, Rusty Wallace. You know, you guys just do a great job. I mean, I'd rather listen to the radio broadcast sometimes than watch than watch TV because who wants to hear Jeff Burton run his mouth about something that fans aren't even interested in sometimes? And and that's just an example. I'm, Jeff Burton's not like that, but you know, I think that you know, you guys do a lot of uh, good work together, and it. I'd say I like PRN too. Nothing to take away from PRN, but MRN, PRN, you got. Both networks are great. Um, so, uh, what is were you, I've, I gotta rephrase this question? Uh, were Were you at Michigan? Were you in the turn when it started raining at Michigan this past year? Uh, yeah, I've been in. I've been in the turns at Richmond or at Michigan since about the mid to early to mid eighties. So yeah, if if it happened at Michigan, I was there. Yeah, I remember it wasn't raining in one and two, but it was raining in three and four. It made no sense to me whatsoever, and they threw the caution, and it rained on us. I barely got rained on, but I got a lot of memories at Michigan. I'll just tell you that. I've been going to the races there for many years now, and I've had a lot of fun. And um, what's a good memory you have there? Oh, we've had a lot of fun there and made a lot of good friends there over the years. There's no question about that. Uh, you know, Michigan used to, still does, would have like the, the infield concerts on Friday and, and Saturday yeah. night. We got to know uh, a group of guys that, that played, they had a band, it was called a band called River, and they played the infield at Michigan for, golly, a decade and a half. And we got to know those guys really, really well. You know, they'd pull us up on stage. They never let us sing. Thank God for that. Nobody would have wanted that. But they'd pull us up, and we'd have a little fun with the crowd, and we just got to know them really, really well. That was a lot of fun for sure. The uh, My least favorite Michigan memory is the year that we had we hung around until Tuesday trying to get the race in. I remember that. It, 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 it rained and rained and rained. We were working on our second arc by the time we finally got it in. And, and finally on Tuesday, the forecast said, okay, it's not going to rain anymore. Come back tomorrow. Come back Tuesday. It's not going to rain anymore, and we're going to be fine. And we come back on Tuesday for what I think was supposed to be a 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. start. It was a 10 a.m. Yeah, and it's, it's not raining, and the track is dry. And finally, thank God, after about five days, we're good to go racing. Problem being, it's so foggy that you can't see turn one from turn two. So we sit and we wait for another hour or hour and a half or two hours until finally that fog starts to lift. Man, it, it seemed like we were never going to go home that weekend. I mean, we were wearing the same set of underwear for the third day at that point by the time we finally got out of there. Yeah, that was my first race. I remember Kurt Busch won. Shock even came back after that. Yeah, we had a motorhome for like a week, and the, and we're like, all right, we're going to do it tomorrow. They're going to race tomorrow. Like, all right, finally. They're like, the race is going to start in an hour. We're like, all right, so we get to our seat side. I don't even remember how many people were there. My first time at Michigan and my first and only time at Chicagoland, it rained. Yeah, so, by Tuesday, you don't expect a lot of people to keep coming back. you yeah. gotta be you got to be pretty hardcore to come back on a Tuesday. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that one. But, uh, well, I – I was wondering if you had any questions for me uh, at this point in the interview. What do you want to be? What do you want to do? I mean, obviously you're interested in racing and you're interested in media, right? That's kind of what got you here. 
Yep. And obviously, you know, I've made the connections necessary. I want to be a commentator. I've, I'm gunning for your job, Jeff Gordon. Just kidding. Not really Jeff's, but, uh, you know, I, I want to be a commentator. I want to be a writer. Uh, I don't know if you know Steve Kaminsky. That's a friend of Jeff and mine uh, up in Grand Rapids. Um, I'm from a I'm from a small town in Michigan that's, you know, almost directly across the lake from Chicago. Our big sport here is we've got lot, a lot of sports around here, football, baseball, basketball. Um, we've got a pro baseball player that lives around here. Muhammad Ali lived here for, for uh, not where I live. But he lived in the area for close to – uh, 35 25 years 35 years maybe I don't remember but um yeah I want to be a commentator sports writer but um I have a buddy who does YouTube his name is Darian Gilliam he does the NASCAR weekly podcast he told me that he initially wanted to work for NASCAR but he likes what he's doing now and you know I like what he's doing now he likes to he basically tells stories the, in a way that you wouldn't expect stories to be told like he uses visuals he gives his take he he basically will tell you the story and he'll tell you what he believes and he does a great job i think darian i know you're listening uh you should try going into the commentating game or you should be a historian like me but anyways uh you know i just want to use the knowledge i have and share it with other people because really that's what this is about it comes down to people really and that's what Lyndon Amick told me when, when when I interviewed him last year, is that that's why that's what he misses most about NASCAR, and whether that's and that's also what I think he also misses most about the military, whether it's you know the people he served with. That's why he went to Afghanistan. That it came down to people for him, and I really think that that's what comes down. That's what it comes down to. You know, uh, you know, comes down to not just the drivers, the team members, but the media, the fans they all go hand in hand to make the sport good. And that's, and you know, that's why I think uh, NASCAR is the best sport in the world. You know, you see, for example, Peyton Manning, you know, he gets lots of autographs. He signs them all, you know, I've sent him a couple cards to have him sign. I think they might be secretary. I'm not sure. But uh, Joyke Bell is from my area. He's from the town North of the river. And I remember the blossom parade, which is an annual thing here. He got flooded by people one time. And I was in the crowd, and people were almost getting in a fist fight trying to get his autograph. I didn't get an autograph. I wanted a picture with him. But, uh, you know, Ali, when he'd be here, you know, he used to go to my old high school for basketball games. And, he, you know, people would say, you know, let the champ sit down. He'll, he'll sign autographs. He'll talk with you later. And he had a specific time where he would actually go and sit and talk to fans and sign autographs. So, you know, I just want to – also keep the sport alive because a lot of people say oh nascar is dying it's not as popular as it was years ago no nascar is on the rise again look at the numbers eric Eastep posts the show out of the groove on youtube and he talks about everything and everything and anything regarding nascar except history he talks about current events he talked about the ratings in 2020 i was shocked i was beyond shocked when i saw that nascar was the third or fifth is third fourth or fifth it was the most Googled thing by millennials in that, uh, in that, uh, in 2020. And I thought that was crazy. So I think more millennials are getting exposed to NASCAR thanks to people like Carson Hosevar, Haley Deegan, and social media also plays a big part of that too. And that's why I use it as a tool to, you know, get my articles out there. 
Well, it's a fun time uh, to do what you want to do because social media allows everybody to have the opportunity to be heard. Uh, you know, when I started, if you wanted to, if you wanted to be heard and express an opinion on NASCAR, the only way to do it was to sit down at your crown manual typewriter and pound out a letter to Chrissy Konamaki at National Speed Sport News. Five or six of them might get in the paper next week, and the rest of them would would never see the light of day. Now, everybody and their brother's got a podcast. Everybody and their brother's got a vlog. Everybody, you know, if you want to be out there, you can be out there. That's the good news, and it's also the bad news, because there are a lot of really talented people out there doing stuff. And there are also a lot of not very talented people that figure that just because they can, they should. And, yeah. you know, they're... they're there, unfortunately, there are a lot of people out there that figure if you have a cell phone and an opinion, you're a journalist. Doesn't yeah. quite work that way. I'm yeah, that, that, that's not true. <laughs> yeah. There are some people that, um, you know, that I think have a lot of talent. There's one person in particular who she just started last year. Her name is Taylor Kitchen. She hosts the Above the Yellow Line podcast. You know, I think she also, she's got a lot of opinions. She and I have talked a lot and she, she does a great job, you know. The NASCAR Weekly Podcast, Jarrett Lundberg, Darian Gilliam, Eric Eastep, and, Dan and uh, Daniel Baldwin. Those guys do a great job. I know there's um, there's another one uh, hosted by those two girls. Scene Vault Podcast, Rick Houston and Steve Wade, who I, who I assume you got you know the two of them. Absolutely. Yeah. Steve, Steve and Rick, we both ha we had both of them on. You know, there are just a lot of people out there who um, – who, you know, can cover the sport. And they, they all do it well, you know, whether you're listening to Pastimes Other Musings, which is what Dave is on right now, whether you're listening to Above the Yellow Line or the NASCAR Weekly Podcast or Scene Vault, it doesn't matter, you know, you're listening to, you know, you're getting history, you're getting knowledge. And, you know, a lot of people are happy to engage with you. I will. Dave obviously said he, he would. So, you know, I also want to leave... A lot of people with some advice today, don't be afraid to reach out. And that's how I got the interview with Dave. I just reached out to him on Twitter and he agreed. Yep, absolutely. There's no harm in asking for sure. I've enjoyed it. It's been fun, man. Thank you. Much appreciated. Yeah, yeah thank you. Uh, once again, uh, for a little reader, uh, I'm going to reiterate uh, some stuff we said earlier. Um, so if people want to call into your show, what time is it on? And what's the number they can call? Three to seven Eastern Time, Sirius XM, Channel 90, uh, 866 Pit Lane is the easiest way to remember. 866 Pit Lane is the number, and I should know what the numbers are in Pit Lane. 866-748-5263. All right. I, I'm actually going to make a note of that in case I ever call in. So, but um, Before doing it. Also, what, uh, what social media uh, platforms are you on? Um, the most prominent one is Twitter. Um, I, I have a Facebook page, but I confine that to, to family and personal friends. There, there, there are some portions of the world that, that, you know, I don't need to be in front of every single day. So I kind of yeah. keep that little corner for myself. But the rest of them, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not a TikTok guy. I'm on Instagram. I post a few pictures there, but that's about the extent, extent of that. I've got a LinkedIn profile that I haven't looked at in three years. You know, somebody talked me into that I just had to have it, and I've never used it since. But for the most part, Twitter's the place to find me. Yeah, I use LinkedIn. 
I use LinkedIn just for contacts, just for interviews, you know, say, Hey, I I'm a podcaster. Want to be on. That's literally all I do. But anyways, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Thank you once again to Dave Moody for joining us here today. Uh, You got any closing remarks? I'm all set, man. Thank you. It's been fun. Yeah. And now back to the show. Well, that was a good interview, but wait, you hear that? You hear that? This. I think I hear something. I got to not use a YouTube video next time. But that siren basically means we've got some memorabilia to look over. Oh. But first, I got to check my YouTube notification. <laughs> okay. All right, then. <laughs> Let's see. How about you talk about something while um, I do something with my YouTube channel real quick? I got to go right. edit something. Why don't you talk about what types of memorabilia you would like to see uh, me somehow acquire? <laughs> you somehow acquire? Yeah. Well, you can find basically anything, so that's pretty much up to you. <laughs> well, I want you to talk about some of your favorite uh, pieces of memorabilia that I have. Favorite pieces of memorabilia that he has? That well, I'll I tell have. you one thing that he did get that really made me... A few weeks ago, Alex somehow acquired a replica, well, a... Uh, I think it's a 164 die cast scale. A 164 die cast scale ASA car from the early 90s. Now, there's a lot of drivers who raced ASA back there in that time. And, of course, one of my big three was one of those drivers. Oh, yeah. Now I know what you're talking about. <laughs> How Alex managed to find that car, I will never know. But that is a car that does interest me. <laughs> oh, are you talking about? And Alex knows he's got to get it now. So if you're watching on the YouTube aspect, you're about to see the car, and that's the car. Do you I want have this no car? I know you found that, but do you like this car? Oh, well, yeah, I know you like this car, but do you want it? Sure. Too bad it's mine. <laughs> I knew he was going to do that. For the record, he always does that. Yeah. Like, Alex is good at finding a lot of interesting and unique things, and I got a feeling that he's going to show off more of it. Yeah, I am. All right, so if you're on the YouTube aspect, you're in for a treat. What you got for us today? Well, Christmas happened. Yes. As it does every year. But Jason <laughs> Jacoby doesn't think it should. <laughs> See, that's another thing that I know. I'll, I'll break off this for a second because that's another thing that's a bit concerning. You know how people have concerns for people that have religious delusions and all that stuff? 
like a lot of people want to interpret that he is uh, of the Christian faith, yet he claims he's of the Jewish faith, but goes back and forth. Shouldn't that be a reason why we should get him into a mental hospital instead? Don't you think? I mean... Hang on a second. <laughs> Too complex of a topic, isn't it? No, I'm responding to a comment. That's kind of annoying. Oh, goody. One of those spammers, right? Yes. Yeah. But anyway, there's been a long time debate amongst the community of whether Jason should go to jail or should he go to a mental hospital or should he go to both after his jail thing is sentenced and done and over that kind of stuff. I'm more on the side of a mental home because at least in a mental home you can't access social media so that'll stop that right there and problem solved. But more on the aspect of him, the it's like he's having a battle within himself because of religion. It's like he was pushed towards Christianity by his family, but in his mind, and maybe to some extent, he's actually part Jewish inside, because he claims he is, I just don't know if he actually is. Uh. And unfortunately, I know for a fact that sometimes when you really zoomed in, like, my dad called it tunnel vision. If you're really tunnel visioned in terms of religion, then things can get a bit out of control in terms of your mind and stuff. So that might be part of the problem we have here with Jason. Just saying. All right, you ready now? Nope. <laughs> he's one of those spammers and I called him out. And if, he's, if he lashes out against me, I'm going to uh, report him to YouTube. Him. Well, I blocked yeah, him right Something about it. All right, there we go. All these people reporting Jason's channel it has not been deleted yet. You really think YouTube does anything? Well, YouTube doesn't care what's on their platform anymore, so. Yeah, really. You and, okay. Let's say this. All right. My best friend and his girlfriend could literally upload a video of them fucking each other, and YouTube wouldn't do anything about it. If they're going to allow Jason Jacoby exactly to be on YouTube, true. they're going to allow porn on their website eventually. That would not surprise me. Anyways, uh, Chase, I well, do know of one situation where someone did that, and both channel and both of those videos got instantly deleted. Anyways, yes, I am ready. So let's talk about some autographs I received through the mail. This first, this first autograph is from. Uh, my favorite open wheel owner. Really? Unfortunately, he signed it on the back, which I don't like. <laughs> and I burp That's again. Nice. That one smelled like onions. <laughs> and this next one is of Regan Smith. Oh, sweet. And this next one is of a Claude. Really? He's a Claude? Sort of. 
He now, hasn't as grind as much as people thought he would when he joined Gibbs. Now this next driver has passed away. Yeah. That's Ricky Hendrick. Yeah, I see that. That's rare. It is. Um, that's not NASCAR. There's a little <laughs> meth on that card. Just joking. I don't smoke meth. Neither. My family still thinks Jeremy Mayfield's a meth head. You'd be surprised how many people think that. One of my friends still calls him Methfield. Okay. Uh, here's one uh, of a driver Mary absolutely likes, Kevin Conway. You freaking wish. He's a con man. This next one is... This is Kevin Conman. This next one is... If I can get this one out. A driver who deserves to be in a top-tier ride, Jeb Burton. Okay. And now his cousin, Harrison Burton, whose autograph you can't see very good. Okay, I see where it is now. Not a good combination of colors. Here's one that I think Brock Beard would like. <laughs> I think you know who it is. Yep. Yeah. Jerry Nadeau. Speaking of Brock Beard, that's your next impossible challenge. What do you mean? Find a JD McDuffie autograph. <laughs> no. There's your next impossible challenge. Oh gosh, that is pretty impossible. Uh, this next one is a champion named Bobby Labonte. Ah, okay. And the next one after that, you have to guess that driver. The next one after that. Uh, you're going to have to guess this next driver. It's, an, it's another NASCAR champion. You know how little that narrows it down? Well, I think it should narrow it down to Terry Labonte. Oh, you were going that route. Okay. That's cool. And so now you have to guess this next driver. This one should be easy. And if you don't get it, you're going to get yelled at. Like, like an associate at Walmart. You have Justin Labonte? Yeah. Is it him? Yes. Okay. I don't like how he signed it sideways, but... <laughs> this next driver was a teammate to Dale Earnhardt. Do you know how much that narrows it down? Yes. He only had one teammate his entire career. Kind of. Mike the, Skinner. The most common one is Mike Skinner. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh, I dropped that one. This next one is a, is a non-personalized card that's, that's signed by Regan Smith. Oh, okay. This next one is a driver that I want to get on. Steve Park. That would be cool. And that is his Rockingham win. It is. I can tell by the trophy. 
That's cool. Don't ask Where me, were you when he won Rockingham? I was home watching the race. Were you happy? I was indifferent between he and Labonte, so I saw it as a good duel. Here is Ward Burton. <laughs> Speaking of the Burtons from earlier, which means logically you're going to show me Jeff next. Yes. Hmm. We also have Ryan Newman. Ah, okay. And Colin Brown. <laughs> All right, that's definitely a rare one. Why else would I have bought it? We also have another Colin Brown. Well, that one looks good. Now we've got some dead drivers. Say it right, deceased. Whatever. Buddy Baker. Mm. Benny Parsons, even though this isn't really a driver card of him, but who cares? <laughs> Here's a good one and a rare one. And I got this one for a great price. Oh. Dick Trickle. Oh, sweet. Funny bottle like that one. And this is one that you're going to like. I am. You can't see the autograph very well, but it's Bob Jenkins. <laughs> yeah. You can't have this. <laughs> you sure? Yes. I might reconsider it, but uh, let's see who else. You brought up Funny Bone earlier. That is indeed Funny Bone. And Funny Bone's ne uh, terrible nephew. Ah. <laughs> uh. Now it's on to the Bodine brothers. We start off all three with, of them. We start off with Jeff. Arguably the best of the three Bodines. Then Brett. Who definitely should not receive the garbage he has received over his years. And Todd. Mm. Now it's on to the Saddlers, Hermist, <laughs> okay, and my friend calls hit this next one idiot Saddler. Why? Because he doesn't like how he drives. <laughs> okay. We've got a NASCAR Dozen member next of Mary's. Oh. 
Joe Nematode. I know where you get that from. <laughs> now, if Jason Jacoby wants to talk trophy wives, this next driver's got a trophy wife. John Hearn Emichek. <laughs> okay. <laughs> does Taylor does Taylor Nemechek look like a trophy wife? How am I supposed to know? This next one is one of the most famous families in all of NASCAR. The Earnhardts, starting with Carrie. I don't like his signature in the place that it is. Why? I don't know. It just looks weird. Looks good to me. We've got a dual autograph of Dale Jr. and Kelly. Oh, sweet. I don't know how accurate the Dale Jr. the Dale Jr. one is. I can compare it to one that I know is real. Hang on. I'd say that's real. <laughs> and now it's on to the Jarrett's. Hmm. Ned. Okay, that's cool. Whose autograph you can't really see. Well, depending on the light of the reflection of your laptop, I can see it fine. Yeah, it's a little hard to see. Dale. Mm -hmm. And if he wants to come out, Jaco, I mean, Jason. Come on, Jason Jarrett didn't deserve that. The amount of talent Jason and Jarrett had would be equals the amount Jason Jacoby would have if he was actually an NASCAR driver. Wrong, now because at least of... Jason Jarrett has his own video game. <laughs> yes, he remembers going to L.A. with Lyndon Amick, Hank Parker Jr., and Justin Labonte to record that. Now it's on to some randomizer cards, and these are in no particular order. All right. Todd Cleaver. Ah. Travis Quapple. Oh, sweet. Buckshot Jones. Okay, that's rare. No, it's not. <laughs> Matt Crashton. <laughs> Wally. Oh, sweet. And Shauna Robinson. Oh, wow. We're going to try and have her on in a couple weeks. Oh, that'd be cool. Hopefully we'll have her on this season. Now, this next row of cards, uh, yeah, we'll start off with a driver from Mary's NASCAR Dozen, more specifically the Big Three. 
<laughs> you want me you to guess to. which one? Yes, you have to guess which one. Okay, let's see. I doubt you have Andy, and you've shown off most of your collection of Johnny already, so I'm going to say Bill Elliott. Yes. Oh, sweet. I have that exact card myself, but mine's a bit damaged because it was one of the very first racing cards I ever received in a pack years ago. I want to say it was late 2000, probably. I got okay. that card. And this next one is of one of my big three. Okay, let's see. Dale Earnhardt Jr. I already showed off a Dale Jr. card. Chase Elliott. Yes. Good. <laughs> and this last one, I think you can get of this uh, page here. I think you you can guess which one it is. I say the is best the card of this your big three. three. Well, the first of my big three. You mean? Okay, the third of the ones I mentioned. Yes. It's Crybaby. It's don't not say his anything name. because you kept trying to say, have me say Austin Spindrick. So don't hand me that. Oh, you like Austin Spindrick? No. He ain't one of my guys. This card has more significance to me than the Rainbow Warrior one. Because this is from the year I started watching NASCAR and became a fan of Jeff's. That would be 2003? Yes, I have the hat that he was wearing over there. Um, this next one is a commentator I don't think Mary likes. But he's better than Marty Reed. Or, or, uh, well, he's better than Mar way better than Marty Reed, Dave Burns, and Vince Welch. Oh, wow. Because the only two I'm not really big with are Welch and uh, Dave Burns. Mike oh, Jordan. I see. <laughs> it's not him I don't like. It's his fan base, the Joy Boys, who thinks he's basically God in terms of announcing, and literally everybody else is trash. Uh-uh, screw that. Although Mike Joy last year did take a step down from his usual self. This, one's a, that. this but, one is a prior guest of pastime. Oh. Steve Wade. Oh, sweet. <laughs> Look at that outfit. <laughs> okay, that's cool. <laughs> got another Fox. Uh, I've shown off Jeff Gordon. I've shown off uh, Mike Joy. Mm -hmm. Now this, uh, this next driver is turned TV analyst also works for Fox. You primarily see him on Race Hub. Oh, so it's not Boyer. Yeah. Albeit Jeff Gordon doesn't work for Fox anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I thought it was going to be Boyer until you said Race Hub. McMurray. Jamie McMurray. Oh, McFlurry. Okay. McFlurry's are good. Jamie McMurray's not. McMuffin. <laughs> nickname for him for years all right so we got some more ryan newman this one's from his shr days ah, okay 
And this is from when he handed Johnny – this is from the same year he handed Johnny Benson a win in the All-Star Open. <laughs> and now uh, we've got some Elton Sawyer card. Oh, sweet. And I have the same card of his wife, Patty Moeds. Ah. And this next one is actually a pretty good one. Both of them signed it. Oh, sweet. That should be worth something. Yeah, I only paid $4 for it. No, I think I paid more <laughs> than that. But anyways, let's move on to cards I did not get for Christmas. This one's dr this driver's autograph is drying up like an old woman's vagina. Tony Stewart. <laughs> okay. See, that's when you preserve the cards. This next driver is a mega baddie, but he's not with the other mega baddies because he competed in IndyCar. And it's not Robbie Gordon. He's not a mega baddie anyway. Yes, he is. No, he's not. Jimmy Cheater. I mean, Jimmy Johnson. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I could see that argument. That's why he's a mega baddie. And not only that, he was given priority by Hendrick when he didn't deserve it. You just now realize that? <laughs> Jeff was given inferior... At, towards the end of 07, Jeff was given inferior equipment. Jeff was going to win the championship, and Hendrick knew it. Hendrick wanted Jimmy to win the championship. Oh, you're going to love all the other drivers who drove for Hendrick during that era and even up to now. Because <laughs> they got deadly flat. This next one is Mario Andretti. Whoa. You got his name right there. Hmm. Yeah, that's Mario Andretti. Okay, that's cool. I have Richard Petty and Mario Andretti's autographs. Sweet. We also have another driver who competed in Open Wheels, who later moved on to NASCAR, Scott Speed. Okay. <laughs> I think you might be on a little speed. <laughs> now, it might, now it's on to Mega Baddies. Oh, goody. This first mega baddie looks like Johnny Benson. His name is Paul Tracy. Oh, shit. The sad part is, you're right. I don't know why the hell Paul Tracy in that picture looks like Johnny in the mid-90s. How the hell that's even possible, I'll never know. Now, this next card uh, is of a driver who I really don't like. That could be anyone. From my home state, and that should tell you who it is. Brad oh, Keselowski. Loser. I mean, Brad Keselowski. Really? Why is he a mega baddie? Emmett's whiner, causes fights, doesn't give what? credit where credit is due. What does he cause a fight? Matt Kenseth. Jeff Gordon. No. Yes. And this is one of the biggest mega baddies of them all, Johnny Sauter. 
Why? No talent. <laughs> Let me finish. I can easily debunk that one. It's from Wisconsin. Whoopee. Annoying fans. Overrated. Yeah. <laughs> breaks the <laughs> rules and gets away with it. Repeat that one again. Breaks the rules of NASCAR and gets away. That's Jimmy Johnson, but all right. This next one is a, also a mega baddie. But the card looks cool. And this mega baddie has a nice autograph. I will give him that. Your favorite driver, Carl Edwards. Oh, you fucking wish. This is from his uh, first Bush series win. As you can see, he's flipping. He's doing his signature uh, backflip in all those pictures. And of course, the next day he won the uh, cup race against Jimmy Johnson, which I'm glad Carl Edwards won that race. Yeah, Johnson gave it to him. Jimmy Johnson is the biggest mega baddie of them all. Really? In NASCAR. The second biggest mega baddie of them all, over, overall. The biggest mega baddie of, of them all is Marco Andretti. And his enabling daddy do, doesn't help his case either. <laughs> I'm glad someone realized that instead of me. Now, this is actually a pretty cool card. This is Matt Kenseth. And I don't know if you can tell, but this black here is actually pieces of his tire that got infused into the card. Really? I don't know if you can see that. That's you interesting. You kind of how it's a little bit different. Yeah. But there's the signature. Hypocritical coward. That's not the superior Matt Kenseth paint scheme, but I do like that car. I always like the, <laughs> the Killer Bees car. This next one is one of my least favorite drivers of all time. It's one of the top three in NASCAR. Of Brad Keselowski, Jimmy Johnson, and Kevin Harvick. Well, you showed Kyle Busch and Joey Logano are in a league of their own. <laughs> okay. So who do you think it is? It's Harvick. Yes. Now there is an actual mega baddie. He is a mega baddie. Oh, so you say Kenseth, Edwards, and Tracy are not mega baddies? Oh, they are, but compared to Keslowski, really? Yes. <laughs> now this next mega baddie is not a mega baddie for anything he did on track. He's a mega baddie for what he's done off track. Okay. Rich the bitch. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Do you know where, I where that nickname comes from? No. Will Ferrell's character in Old School, Frank the Tank. Oh. Never Rich saw the it. bitch Bickle. Okay. Because there's literally only one driver I had in mind, but I don't think you got his autograph. Who? You're joking. You said you don't think I... 
Rick Crawford. Bingo. Well, that's Casey Crashwood. I don't think I've shown this card off yet. <laughs> but here's Casey Crashwood. <laughs> I also have another nickname for him. Casey Crapwood. But I but Casey Crashwood suits him better. Cause all he does is crash, 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 no matter what. Got crashing on his mind. He can't ever get enough. And every time he races on the on a big track, every but these cars go boom. Cause they hit the wall and he stays in the wall. You better I don't understand why you start laughing crash. every time I call him Casey Crashwood. Oh. Ah. Explain to me why you laugh when I call him Casey Crashwood. There is a buddy of mine who rooted for Atwood back in the day. Really? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, don't worry. She's rooted for worst. Who, Kenseth? Okay, let's see. She likes Bodine, Tabodine. She likes Craven. Well, let's see. A lot of the drivers she has interest in was specifically to rage out against me. Johnny Benson? Yeah, basically anyone who has done anything negative to him, she has rooted for. She's rooted for Vicker, she's rooted for Riggs, she's rooted for Stremmy. I've met Stremmy and Vickers. <laughs> Let's see, did I get any okay, others? She also likes Steve Park. Uh, she also likes Paul Tracy, but that's our open wheel thing. Okay, that's here's a good one. Here's a really good one. Okay. It probably doesn't shock you I got this one, now does it? No, it doesn't shock me. Why? <laughs> uh, that's kind of complicated to explain, but uh, his connection to Linda Namick's probably the reason. Yes. Okay. Uh, we also have Caitlin's new man. Noah Gregson? Yeah, she's got a new man. It's Noah Gregson. Really? That's a joke. You know, you I still... I certainly hope so. Well, you have to understand why I call... Well, I call Ryan Blaney Caitlin's boyfriend. Yeah, you have called him that. And, that, and then she made... Okay, she made one comment about Noah Gregson. And I said, oh, so Noah Gregson's your new man. And so that's where that nickname comes in. Here's Mark Martin. Okay. And we also have Winston Kelly. Oh, that's cool. And the last one is actually a pretty rare autograph. 
Marcus Ambrose. Ow. Mm. <laughs> I still remember that interview with Dale Jr. Hey, Marcus, from down under. Uh, how's your little levies, Kingsford, Clorox, Goodyear, Toyota thing? What do you drive, a Chevy, a Ford, Dodge? I drive a Toyota. You drive a Toyota? Okay. Uh, I also have some unsigned cards. I haven't looked at these in a while, but while Mary talks about uh, those cards, uh, I'm going to look through these. Okay, you want me to talk about the autograph cards? Yeah. So as you can clearly see, Alex does have a very interesting collection of cards. Uh, some of them good, some of them bad, and some of them we have polar opposite opinions on. But Alex is one of those people that if it's out there, he'll probably find it. And that's why I put up that impossible challenge. Try and find a J.D. McDuffie autograph. Those don't exist. They really How do you don't. know that? I've been looking for one for years. <laughs> well, well, we'll see if that gets anywhere at some point. But yeah, yeah. If, you, if you want to see my favorite Matt Kenseth paint scheme, there you go. His championship car. These are really nice looking cards. If you have the 2003 uh, press pass trackside cards, uh, you you've got some really good looking cards. Like this Elliot Sadler one looks really cool. The Dave Blaney looks pretty cool. R.I.P. John Andretti. Oh. How many different drivers drove the 43 back in 2003? Uh. I'm not exactly sure. I want to say four, but I could only name two. Fittipaldi and um, uh, Andretti? Yeah. Well, I know um, Jeff Green drove it. That one I can tell you. Oh, yeah, because he drove the Yu-Gi-Oh car that year. That's right. That was 2003. He drove a Yu-Gi-Oh car. <laughs> you don't know that story? No, I want to hear it. Okay, so it was the Fall Talladega race. Uh, Sam Bass did a commission to do a Yu-Gi-Oh! paint scheme car for the 43, right? Do you have a picture of it? A... Huh? Do you have a picture of it? I might, actually. Hang on. Uh, anyway, what ends up happening is that Speed Channel was doing qualifying for this race. And let's just say that those guys know nothing about Yu-Gi-Oh. They couldn't figure out the names of the characters, and they even got the name of the show wrong, calling it Yu-Gi-Oh. I am not making that up. He Mike Joy literally called it Yu-Gi-Oh. There's actually a clip of qualifying on the internet. So let me see if... I know I have a picture of that car, but I don't know where. Oh, yay, that's Rusty very Wallace. helpful. I like Rusty Wallace. Dale Jr. These are the two best drivers of all time right here. You see? You see them? The two best. You know how many people are raging out complaining about Dale Jr. getting in the Hall of Fame before a lot of the older drivers? Yeah. What's your response to that? 
as a junior fan or just as a uh or just as a as a fan or uh someone who covers the sport just in general either way well as a junior fan i think it's ridiculous with the with how uh well i read i think it's ridiculous both ways because of how popular he was i said i don't remember to who but I remember telling someone when they put Dale Jr. on the ballot to go in the Hall of Fame, his ass is going in first ballot. His mm-hmm. fan base is ridiculous. I can't really say ridiculous. Insane. How about that? Immense is the word you're looking for. Okay. Um, But... Yeah, that that's my thing there. Um, ah, but it. regarding that, I, I should get this Ricky Craven card signed. That has nothing to do with what the hell is that? That is the Yu-Gi-Oh card. I can't see it. You can't see it. Sorry, Not well. Well, it's because it's pretty far off from where it's supposed to be, but... What even is Yu-Gi-Oh? It's a card game. Really, the name of the card game is Duel Monsters, and the uh, anime variant is called Yu-Gi-Oh, so people just call it Yu-Gi-Oh by default, but the actual name of the card game is Duel Monsters. You know, I'm actually starting to think, maybe I should send some of these cards to these drivers to get them signed, like this Mike Skinner one. I'd want him to sign that. Okay. Stanton Barrett. I don't know if he does autographs. Mike uh, Mike Bliss. Stacy Compton. Kerry Earnhardt. I don't think he would. Coy Gibbs, maybe. Um, who the fuck is this? Damon Luss, good lord, I haven't heard that name in years. Who is he? <laughs> uh, he was a driver that existed during Everham's time in the Bush series, so about 2005, 2006-ish. Didn't really do anything, didn't really get anywhere. But good lord, I've not heard that name in years. I here's couldn't the, tell you where he is now. Here's Chad Blount. Yeah. This one I want to get signed by Shane Meal because it is Shane Meal. Well, that's cool. Of, of course, we all know where Shane Meal is today. Oh, look, Barry. Look what I found. Your favorite driver. You wish. He is. No, 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 no. Here's your favorite driver. Oops. Here's your favorite driver. <laughs> yeah, That's try to get every... that one autographed. What? Try to get that one autographed. That's your next impossible a... challenge. Oh, I bet he'd do it if you gave him a pen. Pick up one of those phone things. Hey, Rick, can you sign this for me? <laughs> for those yeah, of you that's who your don't... impossible challenge. 
for those of you who don't uh, know or don't remember, Rick Crawford was arrested and sentenced to to, to eleven years in uh, federal penitent in uh, federal penitentiary. Oh, oh, that's better. You can't have this. It's mine. I have that card. Then send it to him. <laughs> Robert Presley. Oh, yeah, Robert Presley. I like Robert Presley. I think he's a cool guy. Yeah, I could definitely get some of these signed. Oh, dang. I didn't go far enough. <laughs> Anyways, um, when I'm done looking at these cards, we're going to look at one last thing that I got for Christmas from a friend down in North Carolina. Oh, that can mean anything. North Carolina, NASCAR country. You, see, I can see it. Card. Why don't you yeah, have him play it? These, I'm looking at 2002 ones now. Okay. The two best drivers of all time again. <laughs> yeah, they are. Here's one driver I don't like, Robbie Gordon. And here's the Bill Elliott card I was talking about earlier, but there is some damage to it. One of my friends asked me if I was going to get this card signed. And I go, do you even know what happened to Bobby Hamilton Sr.? <laughs> oh, boy. Someone's out of the loop, unfortunately. Yeah. Out of the loop? <laughs> That's an understatement. That's a really nice way to put it, Mary. But what else did you want me to say? That they're a fucking idiot? How about that? Uh, Michael Waltrip is very interested in whatever he's looking at in this picture. Probably a taco. Probably a naked woman. In the garage but, area? He's probably envisioning Buffy and what he's going to do to her that night. Oh, wait, they're not married. They were at this time. <laughs> Does your friend who, who uh, roots for anybody not named Johnny Benson... Hate Johnny Benson? I used to think that she hated him because she did root for him at one point because of his Cheerios days. Because she was into Cheerios like I was with McDonald's. But then it turns out that once I started rooting for him, she just basically rooted against him, not against him as in hate him, but just to troll me. That's probably why I would root against him. What's Jeff Burton <laughs> looking at? Probably something Ward's doing in the wild again. Who's Ricky Craven talking to? Probably no one. He's probably looking at something. What's Matt Kenseth smiling at? Jeff Gordon in the wall. Wrong. He's look. He's smiling at the porn that Robbie Riser's showing him. Yeah. 
What's Ryan Newman about to cry about? That looks like it's 2001, isn't it? 2002. All right. What's he about to cry about? I have no idea. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say anything about Ricky Rudd. Ricky Rudd is is is, is the is almost an equivalent of God. Who's confusing Elliot Sadler here? Probably his brother. And here's a card that I want to get signed. Oh, that's cool. She'll do them. <laughs> I'd like to get this one signed. That'd be cool. Uh, I'm just going through the... <clears throat> Jesus. What is Kyle Petty thumbs up in there? It's Kyle Petty, so God only knows. Jimmy Spencer's staring directly into the sun. Well, no, his hat's tilted down, so. Rest in peace, Ricky Hendrick. Oh, wow. I haven't seen that card before. You know, I like this one, I would assume. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, I should mention that the next, th that uh, all three diecasts I'm going to show over the next couple weeks, they're all Chevys. Eh. All right. So they're all diecasts. They're all diecasts I got for Christmas, and they're all Chevys. I think all the diecasts I got for Christmas this year are Chevys, with the exception of one diecast. All right, well, that's all of them. Anyways, are you ready to see the Christmas gift from my friend down in North Carolina? Okay. You have to guess what it is. Oh, yeah, that's helpful. Is it a well, die cast? It, it's something that doesn't, it's not a die cast. It's a piece of memorabilia. Is it a card? Nope. Not a die cast, not a card. So I assume this would not mean super card either, right? No, it's not a hero card either. Okay, that, that's basically what it is. Super card, hero card, same thing. All right, so it's a piece of racing memorabilia, but it's not a card or a die cast. No. Neither one of those. Okay. What's is it something obscure? Pop up often. What? What? What this is is something that doesn't really pop up often. Oh, that could be anything. So it's something obscure. Something very obscure. Is it sheet metal? No. It's not one of those cardboard cutouts, is it? No. Is it something off a tire? No. Is it a lug nut? No. 
I am it, not it, sure. I had to get it out of my closet. Oh, it's a t-shirt. It's some sort, it's, it's not a t-shirt. It's close to a t-shirt. So it's a type of clothing. It's an article of clothing that, uh, that, uh, I don't know how to put this. Is it a fire suit? Not a fire suit. It is a shirt, but it's not a shirt like it's not a shirt like this one. Okay. It's a crew shirt. Wait, crew shirt as in crew member shirt? Yes. A rate it's a race use crew member shirt, but you have to guess the driver. Okay. I think I heard this story. Wasn't it Amick? What? Wasn't it Amick? Well, you have to tell the story that you heard and that you remember, then I'll tell you if you're right or not. Okay, the story that I've heard is that you found a Lyndon Amick crew member shirt from the early 2000s when he had his own team on eBay there were something like two or three left, and you managed to get one of them. Well, no. I was essentially trying to... Um, get one. However, they sold before I was able to get one. So, oh, by the way, what I said earlier about why Jason Jacoby is a lot on YouTube, Dan Bongino isn't. If they allow, if they don't allow COVID-19 misinformation, but they allow schizophrenic slander videos, what are we living in? Anyways. This is what my friend was able to buy off eBay and send me. Oh! Okay. It's kind of like how I buy stuff, like gifts for you, like for Christmas and your <laughs> birthday, and send them to you. Mm. Everything is embroidered onto the, onto the shirt. Oh, sweet. And this is how you can tell it's it's legit. It's yeah. a simple product. If it says Chase Authentics, it's not legit. This right. is the real deal. You don't wash this in your washing machine. You have to you specifically have to dry clean it. Oh, okay. You have the sponsors on the on the sleeves. Yeah, that, that that did shock me when I when I went and got my mail and that was in and that was in the mailbox. That's not something you see every day. I'm almost out of Dr. Pepper. So anyways, what's your reaction to the cruise shirt? 
crew shirt, Mary. I almost said crew shit. <laughs> well, that yeah, that's definitely something that's very rare. How often do you see those shirts on sale at all? Eh, so somewhat. I guess it depends on the driver, I guess. But for it to be Linda Namick, who had not been in a race of any sort since 2003, th that would have to be mega rare. Yeah, <laughs> it was. When I seen that, my friend told me, hey, did you hear that there's a, did you see there's a Linda Namick crew shirt on eBay? I'm, no. <laughs> like, that was insane. Yeah. No more. I'm just trying to check some stuff here. Do, 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 more do, stuff do. going on? No, just uh, checking my social media stuff. I probably shouldn't be doing that. Anyways, <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, what's next? Uh, let's see. I think it's, what did we learn today? Yeah, what did we learn today? <laughs> well, we learned that you have a knack for finding items. We learned that uh, the Jason Jacoby thing is not quite done yet. We learned that Squishball can do his job. <laughs> you really and need learned... to stop with that. Huh? You really need to stop with that, but... Why? Because I said... <laughs> Well, if I think you're going too long into a subject, that's what he's there for. No, he's not. It's a fucking toy! <laughs> a toy that you thought was haunted? Yeah, because it was making noises. That is making noises when you weren't controlling it. <laughs> anyway. Uh. Uh, we learned that the 2022 Cup Series rookie class will be pretty interesting. We learned that the... We also learned, and we're going to learn this right now, that I don't think the... That I already think the uh, clash is going to be terrible. Uh, but well, yeah. <laughs> we forgot to p make the picks for the clash. Like, it's basically a bull ring. With a new car, so who knows what's going to happen? But you still have to race? make your, you still have to make the picks. That's not right. So are you just picking a winner here, or that's it? We're doing everything. We're do we're doing everything we normally would do. <laughs> okay, let's see a suck pick for this. Let's see new car, short track. Well, tell you what, Bubba Wallace has not been getting much practice due to some shoulder surgery he had in the offseason, something about his rotator cuff. So for that reason, I'm going to say Bubba Wallace for the suck pick. Well, I'm going to go with his teammate, Kurt Busch, simply because I don't know uh, how Bubba, how that team's going to do. How is Kurt Busch going to adjust to a fucking Toyota? Well, he's driven, hasn't he driven everything else at some point in his career? Yes. 
He he's driven every manufacturer. Pontiac, he's raced everything. He's raced everything except the Pontiac. Well, that's kind of impossible in today's world, considering the last existed in NASCAR in 2003. So there's that. But anyway, but anyway. for underdog. Okay, let's see. Someone who is good at the short tracks. Well, this is kind of a different type of short track, so who the heck knows? Hmm. Who is here and there in terms of the short tracks? I've already got one in mind, and he's a mega baddie. Well, that could be anything. It could be one of three drivers. This is only three in the Cup Series right now. I'm going to go with Martin Truex Jr. I'm going to go with his teammate, Kyle Busch. Okay. Winners. All right. Who's going to win the clash? Or the crash in this instance? What it could turn out to be. Watch it, it's going to be a supremely bad and boring race, and all of a sudden, spectacular ending. It's the greatest thing ever. We should have it every year, like they did with every single race that's brand new since the 2010. But anyway, who's going to be the winner? Hmm. That is a good question. Who would be the winner? Like, who's really good at the bullring tracks? Kyle Larson. That's my pick. All right. Well, since we picked Gibbs for the underdog, if you're going to say a Hendrick guy is going to win, then I'll go with a different Hendrick guy. I'll say Chase Elliott. Okay, that's that's respectable. What have we learned today? Let's go back into that since we screwed the order. <laughs> Okay, we learned that the Jason Jacoby thing's not quite over yet. You know, people his, want it to be. Not until his parent, not until his family is investigated. His family and that Davina girl. So that's another thing. Now that I think about it, she hasn't been seen since the previous channel of his. So what's the deal there? I want to know what she's how she's been. I think she's providing the internet connection. I think she's providing the the devices he's using. You know, stuff like Wouldn't that. Wouldn't she be with him, though? She is... I don't know. But anyway, continue. Okay. So we learned that the 2022 Cup Rookie Class should be a good one even though in some aspects it should be a runaway but we'll see where everything goes with the new car and stuff uh let's see what else have we learned we learned that alex has a very vast collection of impossible items so uh what else have you learned today that's all we learned today <laughs> okay uh anyways you can find us on the internet mm-hmm. on other places we're on spotify mm-hmm. we're on yep. audible we're on apple podcasts we're on uh 
other podcast platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sounds like I'm high. Um, <laughs> we're uh, we're on YouTube. The channels yeah. are all all the social media links are in the description on the YouTube uh, on the Pastimes YouTube video. It's this is premiering on my channel. Um, yep. See what else we got a website that's down there. We got another podcast that we acquired this this off season. Why don't you tell people about that? We got a trailer premiering on the podcast on the Pastimes channel at nine o'clock tonight. If it, or no, at some at some time tonight. <laughs> okay. So uh, anyway, one of the uh, people that was here prior is starting up a podcast of her own. That's going to be called Just Take. I think, what was it? Oh, Just One, please. That's what it was called. I don't know why I was thinking Just Take One. Anyway, but anyway, that's going to be a new podcast that'll be premiering by a prior guest of ours starting this year. So be sure to check that one out. It'll be very interesting to see where that one goes. Uh, Pastimes will be going live on all various platforms at Fridays at 7 p.m. this year. If you have a question for us that you want to participate in our little question segment. Which we didn't get any this week, but we didn't really make an announcement, so. <laughs> That's okay. That's why we're making this one now. You can contact us at pastimespodcastguest at gmail.com. As long as your question is not, can I be on the podcast, you will be eligible to be a part of that segment, and we will answer your question. Uh, also, a shout-out to Caitlin's Photography uh, websites and socials, so be sure to check those out. Uh, we also have a Patreon that we have started. Uh, there's four different tiers that we have. Uh, the minimum is the $5 bronze tier, which means you can have a bonus mailbag question that can be answered, as well as one day early access to the podcast. So instead of Friday, you'll be listening to it on a Thursday. We have our $10 silver uh, tier, which is all of that, plus two extra bonus mailbag uh, questions, a one-on-one -on -one connection with one of us on social media, and a follow from the Past Times and Other Musings podcast. Dance uh, for a follow. Hmm? I should change that to a chance for a follow. Oh, chance for a follow. Okay. I need to change that. I'll make note of that myself. Because... Uh, there's, al there's also and, the... And, it will, and if it's on Instagram, it will not be from my personal Instagram account. Obviously. Only family and close friends are allowed to follow me on that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we also have the $20 gold tier, which is all of that, plus more extra videos, another bonus to uh, mailbag questions, raising up to five now. You can get custom video messages from either one of us, as well as a thank you message. And once we start with our merch, we'll be earning a 5 to 10% merch discount. And finally, we have our $50 platinum tier, which is all of that. Plus, the opportunity to get custom merch, unlimited mailbag questions, so you can just submit mailbag questions whenever you want. You get a custom video message from one of us, a thank you message from both of us on social media, the uh, chance to participate in some polls, 
a 30% merch discount instead of 5 to 10%, a personalized Zoom chat with one of us, and at the end of our uh, YouTube variants of this, you will also be recognized at our very end of our program. Yeah, what else do you want to say? <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> I'm trying to think what else we have. Um, um, let me think. Something, I keep getting this damn... Uh, thing on my email, my uh, eBay account, which, let me log in, because that I'm trying to fix here. Um, okay. Yeah. What is the, uh, <laughs> what is the rule for, for uh, Patreon? What do you mean? Uh, about our band list. Okay, I did not know that. Yes, so if you... Uh, so our new policies oh, this no. year, we're going to have to bury this deep into the podcast. We're going to... It'll be the first thing we announce next week. All right. Uh, if you are spamming comments, spamming us on social media... Try to get in contact with us when we don't want to talk to you, especially me, because I'm a very busy person. Uh -huh. You will be blocked by the Passives podcast, both of us personally, and be put on a band list. Mary, could uh -huh. you explain uh, the band list? Uh, the band list is basically for those that we feel are basically spamming and or harassing us, and you do not want to be on that list. Uh, basically, by being on the ban list, you revoke your privileges in terms of any and all variants of Patreon and all of the other stuff. Basically, you forfeit anything regarding your Patreon benefits. So, Patreon, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, yeah, same goes with her channel. Right. Anything associated with the Alex Wood Racing Network, uh -huh. you will be banned from following anything regarding it. Right. So, we'll bring it up next week. Okay. So, I think it's time to sign off. All right. So, that'll do it for this week's episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, I am on the Ultimate 23 Dragon channel. I may or may not have a new video coming out sometime this week. We'll see. Because there are a few videos I'm wrapping up editing that will be coming out in subsequent months. I do have a new video that came out earlier in January 2022. It's kind of a funny video. You should check that one out. So uh, thank you everyone for watching and listening. This is Ultimate 23 Dragon, and that's my final answer. Uh, next week will be on Mary's channel at 7 p.m. Make note of that. Uh, we will have another very special guest next week. Uh, trying to figure out what else. 
Oh, yeah, I'm going to announce where we are every week and then sign off. So that's the thing. Uh, I'll see you guys later. Peace out.